I'm just going to stand down here today, if that's all right to everybody. Appreciate everybody being here. Got some friends here today and family. I appreciate you coming out. Uh, I didn't sleep much last night. Billy Joe told everybody last week that I was preaching this morning and Carrie was preaching tonight, so I was afraid everybody was going to wait and come back tonight. So I appreciate you being here. Uh, I am nervous. Bethany asked me Wednesday night if I get nervous, and yes, I get nervous. I'm nervous right now, so I won't get that out of the way. And, and Bill, Chad had a one-word one invitation Wednesday night, and Bill wanted to know if I was going to continue that today. <laughs> I might. <laughs> the elders here want to let you know some exciting news that we have. Um, our brother Matt Miller, everybody knows Matt, our youth minister here. Matt is going to go to preaching school. He's been praying about it with his family and with us and been, and been thinking about it. And it's something he's wanting to do. <clears throat> and, and he just decided that now's the time to do it. Matt has quit his job where he's worked for, I mean, 15 years. He's, and he's worked, he works night shifts, most of you know that. But he's taken a job in Hendersonville on days so that he can go to preaching school at night. We are going to support him in that. He's, he's making a sacrifice, giving up a good-paying job and taking a lesser-paying job. And we think it's important for our church here and for the gospel of Christ that we have people willing to do this. So we are going to support Matt in that. You know, we've raised our budget a little bit for things like that. We've added a couple of mission works that we're going to do. And we're going to support Matt. And we need you to support Matt with us. You know, we, we need to try to make our budget every week if we possibly can. Uh, we need you to support him financially, and we need you to support him in prayer. Matt is excited. He is, as he would say, he's pumped about serving the Lord, as we all should be. I wish I was excited all the time as Matt is. And we all know that's real. It's genuine. Jesus said in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I come again, I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Revelations 2.10 says, Be ye faithful unto death, and you will receive a crown of life. And that's what we all want, isn't it? We all want to go to heaven. We want our families to go. We want our friends to go. We want everybody to go. If we didn't, we wouldn't be here today. God has blessed all of our lives so much. He's done so much for us. We have families. We have our health. We have our houses. We have jobs. We have some way of making an income. And today I want us to think about our lives just a little bit. What is our goal in our life? What consumes us each day when we get up and we go about our lives? Jesus said uh, in Matthew six nineteen through 20, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And in verse 33, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God 
and His righteousness. We are to seek God first in our lives. And that's what we have to do if we want to get to heaven. So why is it in our busy lives that we put so many other things before God? We're so busy. All of us are. Today I want us to just kind of take a step back and look at ourselves and look at how we live. We let the things of the world become more important than serving God. Jesus said in the parable of the sower that most people will either not believe the gospel or they will believe it but let other things take over their lives. If you want to turn to your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23. In verse 18 it says, Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. In this parable, he talks about four possible situations when, when the word of God is heard, when it's preached, is when it's taught. And three of those are, are really not good. We've all probably at one time or another in our lives been in the last three. Hopefully, we're all on the fourth one. We're on the good ground. The first one is when the seed is sown by the wayside. You know, some people hear the word, but they don't believe it. They don't want to believe it. They don't care anything about it. And that's kind of where our country has got today. There's millions of people today that are somewhere in some form of worship. But there's probably billions of people who are not. Sunday's just another day of the week, just another day to go do something. The problem is, in our country, we've taken God out of our lives and we've allowed Satan to come in. Our country started out as a Christian nation, but look where it is today. We just got through doing a study downstairs on the silencing of God, how God has been taken out of our country. You know, I'm worried for our children, but I'm especially worried for our grandchildren because of this country, the way it's going. If we as Christians, if we as Christians do not start converting our children, our country's only going to get worse. What are we going to do when the government says we're not allowed to worship God publicly on Sunday? Now, you think that might not happen, but just think back a few short years. Thirty-five years ago when I was in school, we had a prayer, on, we had a prayer every morning. We read the Bible, had a Bible reading every morning. We said the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, you try that today, it's not going to happen. We as Christians have got to go out and vote, not for a Republican or a Democrat. We've got to vote for people with Christian morals. That Mr. Miller on, on the DVD said the only chance we have of turning our nation around is by evangelizing, is by teaching. And we've got to do that. The second one is when seed is, falls on the stony places. 
The Word starts to grow. They're excited to hear the Word, but they have no root. And when persecution because of the Word <coughs> comes, they fall away. We've seen many people that are excited to be, to be baptized and be saved. And as soon as they get back into their normal life and they start to talk about it, they're put down. They're made fun of. And they just kind of back up and say, you know, I'm going to go back to my old self. We, as Christians, have to watch ourselves. We have to watch the way we act every day at work, when we're around our friends. When things come up that are against God's will, do we step up and say, that's not right? That's not how God wants us to live our lives. Or do we just go along to get along? Do we just do it to fit in and not speak up and not say that we are Christians? Do we back up? All you kids in school, you know, there's a lot of mess going on at school and a lot of mess in our world. Are you, are you brave enough? Is your faith strong enough to say, I'm not doing those things? That's not how God wants me to live. That's not how I'm brought up. Or are you afraid they're going to make fun of you? We have to be strong. We, we think about people that hear it and then fall away real quick. Well, we have to watch ourselves as well. The third one is when the seed is sown on the thorns. And this is where a lot of us have trouble. We hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, and we become unfruitful. We try to live our lives by our plan and what we want to do instead of what God has told us to do. There are a lot of good things to do in this world. There's a lot of good things that we can do, but we can't put them before God. God has to come first in our lives. You know, I love to run. Me and Tiffany ran yesterday. And then at the end of this month, we're going to run a half marathon. I'm going to run 13.1 miles. Now, can y'all believe an old man like me is going to run that far? I'm going to run for two hours. It's going to take me two hours to run. When was the last time I sat down and read the Bible for two hours? When was the last time I sat down and had a Bible study with somebody for two hours? When was the last time I went and helped somebody that was struggling for two hours? You know, I love basketball, football. I'll sit down and watch a basketball game for two hours, football game for three hours. When was the last time I did something for God that long? What about work? You know, we all have to work. The Bible tells us to work. 1 Timothy 5.8 says... But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Second Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Work is good, but not if we put it before God. If we're working so much that it's to the point that uh, we're paying for all the things that we have, and we put it before God, it's not right. And we have to pay for our houses, our cars, our TV, our cable, Internet, cell phones, iPhones, iPads, iPods, eyeballs. If it starts with the eye, we've got to have it, don't we? <laughs> if we're working so much to pay for those things, and we're spending all of our time working and not serving God, then it's not right. If we're spending all of our money to pay for all of those things, and we can't give to the Lord, then it's not right. It's God's money anyway. 
God give us the ability to have a job and we're to give back to Him. You know, we spend a lot of money, a lot of our money in this congregation goes to preaching and teaching the gospel. We have three ministers that do a great job and we have a lot of mission work that we support. And why do we do that? Because Jesus said in Mark 15, verses 15 and 16, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. You can't be saved if you're not baptized. You can't be baptized if you don't believe. You can't believe if you don't hear. And you can't hear if somebody doesn't tell you. We don't have the ability or the means to go to other places to preach and teach. But we have the money that we can send people that want to. I want you to think about when God created Adam and Eve in the beginning. He provided for them, didn't He? What did He provide for them? A place to live and food to eat. Sometimes we get too complicated in our lives. What about sports? What about other activities that we have, that our children have? You know, we're a sports-crazy nation. We all love sports. I love sports. I like Tennessee. Chris likes Tennessee. You know, we all like Tennessee. Tennessee opened up their last, last year their season in Nashville. The first football game was in Nashville. Forty-five minutes from here. Man, I thought that was great. I love to go to the games. Knoxville, three and a half hours. They played on Sunday. I can't go to the game on Sunday. I can't go watch Tennessee play and miss worshiping God. I can't do it. Some of my best memories of my children when they were little were, were their activities they did, their sports cheerleading, you know, other things, vacations. I enjoy that with them. That's some of the best times we have. And we all love it more when our kids play. Even if we don't like the sport, if our children or grandchildren are playing, we're going to be there, aren't we? I just spent two Saturdays at soccer games. I'm not going to watch a soccer game, but my grandchildren are there. I'm going to be there. We get excited, don't we, when they're playing. We can't wait for the game. We take them to practice. And what we tell them when we take them to practice and let them out. Now, you listen to that coach and do exactly what he says. You be the best one out there. If anybody's cutting up or messing, messing up, you get away from them. We, I want you to be the best. And why do we do that? Because we put so much time and effort and money into them. We want them to be the best. Think about what God did with his son. He sent His Son to die on the cross for our sins. He wants our time and our effort and our money. You know, we tell them that. We take them to practice. Tell them that. We take them home. What do we do? We practice with them some more. We want them to impress the coach. We want them to be the best there is. And why do we do that? We want them to play. If we got so much invested, we want them to impress the coach. I'm going to tell you how you can impress the coach and impress God at the same time. When the coach calls, or whatever activity you're doing, not just sport, when he calls and the phone rings, you say, hello. He says, Mr. Thompson? Yes, Mr. Thompson. Well, this is Coach Shockley. Well, hello, Coach Shockley. How you doing? I'm doing great. Just want to let you know your son Mickey's on our team this year. Well, that's great, Coach Shockley. We're looking forward to playing this year. We're really excited. And he's going to be tickled to death when he knows he's on your team. Well, that's great, Coach Thompson. Uh, I just want to let you know we're having, a, uh, Mr. Thompson, we're having a meeting tomorrow night, six o'clock. 
and we're going to let you know about everything that's going on. Well, Coach Shockley, that is great. We're excited, and we'll be there. Just want to let you know anything you want done, we'll do it for you. On the field or off the field, we'll be there. But Coach Shockley, I want to let you know right now, up front, that Mickey and me and his sisters and my wife, we go to church every Sunday. We go to Bible study at 9, worship at 10. We go back to worship Sunday night at 5, and we have Bible study at 7 on Wednesday. Now, if you have any kind of activities or games or practices or anything like that, on those times, we're either going to be late, we're going to have to leave early, or we're going to have to miss them all together. You still there, Coach Shockley? Uh, yeah, but Mr. Thompson, when you committed Mickey to this team, you committed him to be there. That's right, and he will be there, and he'll give you everything he's got. But my family has committed to the Lord first, and we're going to be there for the Lord. See you tomorrow night, Coach Shockley. And you know what's going to happen if you do what you say? Then tomorrow night, no, you're not going to sit on the bench. Tomorrow night, when you see Coach Shockley, or sometime during that season, he's going to say, why do y'all go to church so much? You ever had anybody ask you that? And they say it just like it. Why do y'all go to church so much? Opportunity. Well, Coach Shockley, I'm glad you asked me that. I'd like to sit down with you sometime and talk about that. Why don't you just come to church with us Sunday? I've coached ball for 20 years. Baseball, basketball, football, softball, 20 years. If your child is good enough to play, he's going to play. There's no coach out there that's not going to take your son off or daughter off that team because they want to win. They're going to let you play. You may have to sit out just a little bit. You may have to sit on the bench, run a few laps, but you're going to play. The percentage of our children in the world of being a professional athlete is 0.03%. Not 1%, not a half a percent, 0.03%. But every child in this room has a chance to be a Christian. If they're at Bible study, if they're at worship, and if they're taught at home. You know, I'm, I'm right there with y'all. I enjoy sports. When Mickey played, I enjoyed it. Some of the best times that we had. We loved it. We were excited to be there. We were excited when he did good. You know, but let me tell you what gets me excited today. What should get all of us excited today? Look on that row right there. That gets me excited. Because they're at Bible study. They're at worship. They're where they're supposed to be. When my granddaughters just start singing Jesus loves me for no reason, wherever they're at, when they start singing someday, that gets me excited. When my grandson hears the word then, and he starts talking about Daniel and the lion's den, and he tells you the story, that should get us all excited. That's what we should be excited about. We have four young men this morning that conducted the Lord's Supper. We had a young man get up and lead the prayer. That should make us excited. We have Thursday Bible studies once a month at the pool's house and at shepherd's house. We had about 30 people there, kids and, and adults. We went upstairs at the pool for the devotional, and we had high school kids there, and we had little kids. And when we sat down... All the little girls got just as close to Jenna as they could, right beside her, looking at her, doing everything she does. They're looking up to them. And they see Austin White leading singing. And they hear Christian McGuire say a prayer. 
and they see Carrie Poole, a deacon here, a leader in the church, get up and tell the story of how Jesus loves us. And at the Shepherds, Brian gives the lesson on investigating the Bible and how to become a Christian. And Isaac and Luke and Micah say a prayer. And the little kids see that. And Christian leads songs. That should get us all excited. They took their time on Thursday night to go to a Bible study when they could be doing whatever else they wanted to do. Saturday morning Bible studies. You know, last Saturday morning, Brian and Bill were down there cooking. We ate. We had a good time. We enjoyed each other. Matt had a lesson on the life of Jesus. And then he asked questions. And the kids are raising their hands. They're so excited to answer it. That should make us excited. We had a group go to CYC. Had a great time. Heard some great lessons. Matt texted me all weekend about what they were hearing, how good it was. Sunday he was coming home and he said, I can't wait to tell you about it. And I seen him Sunday night and he wore out. He wore out, but he was smiling ear to ear. Let me tell you what happened. We heard these great lessons at CYC. And then Saturday night, our own youth group had their own devotional. And they opened up to each other about God. And they talked about how God was in their life and what was going on. And he said it was the best Devo they ever had. That's exciting, folks. Third Sunday you singing a couple of Sundays ago. The brother over at Birdwell's Chapel, when he was making the count, he said, Fountainhead. And 47 hands from one side of the auditorium to the other were raised. We had 47 people at the youth singing. And I looked across there and I seen Miss Linda and the Dorcas girls were there. And this was after they'd already done a lesson here at church. And I seen Matt and Chad in the Timothy class and they were there. And this is after they had already went to Highland with Brother Eddie and had a service over there. And Matt and Chad were on the edge of their seat as the young men got up and they said their name and the number and where they were from. And they were almost trying to mouth it for them, trying to help them. And they were excited because they had been teaching them. And we all should be excited about that because when those types of things happen, we are on the good ground. We're at number four. Listen to what it says in verse 23. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. The word is heard, the word is understood, and the word bears fruit. That's what we have to do. Second Peter 1, 5-11. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he has cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren... Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And for so, an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's what we want, isn't it? We want to get to heaven. We need to do these things that get us to heaven. We've got some good stuff going on here at Fountainhead. You know, I just named it. We've got some great stuff going on. 
But we need everybody involved. The more people we have involved, the stronger we're going to be, the better examples we're going to be. We've got to be committed to the Lord. I want all of our youth to raise your hand. If you're in high school, down, raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you're in high school, down, raise your hand. This is our youth, okay? Now put your hands down. Everybody else is our youth group. We're all responsible for these children. We're all responsible for having the right example. Listen to what Deuteronomy 6, 6 says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And when these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to, our children, to your children. And you shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. you think it's important for us to talk to our children about God? All of us, as parents and grandparents, I want you to remember one thing. If our children are going to go to ball games, if they're going to go to activities, if they're going to do anything, we're going to take them. Because they can't drive. And if they're going to be at worship and they're going to be at Bible studies, we're going to take them because they can't drive. The older we get and the closer we get to heaven, I promise you one thing, the older we get, we're not going to worry about did we have them at enough sporting events, did we have them at enough activities, did we have them enough doing this. As they get older and they get on their own, what we're going to worry about was I the right example for my children? Did I put God first in my life? Do my children know now that they're on their own that God comes first? I stopped saying that I have to go to worship and I started saying I get to go to worship and I get to go to Bible study. Sadly today, for most Christians, worship is not an obligation. It's an option. The decision to not to attend services, it just gets progressive. First, we might start missing Wednesday night. Then we might start missing Sunday night. Then, then Sunday morning Bible study. And then before you know it, all we're doing is coming to worship at 10 o'clock. Attending every worship and Bible study is so important for our spiritual growth. Now, I'm going to give you five reasons why we need, need to be at every worship. First one is God's worship is transforming. Don't you want to look like Jesus? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. When we become Christians, we are a new creation. But the spiritual change, it doesn't stop there. Listen to Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. One of the main ways that we can renew our spiritual transformation and renew our change is worshiping together with other Christians. It's in worship that we are kept from the evil heart of unbelief. Hebrews 12, 3, 12 through 13. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living, will, from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. And when we're in worship, we stir up love and good works within us. 
Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in a manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as we see the day approaching. You know, our personal uh, worship with God is transforming, it's changing, but so is the worship with other Christians while we're here. Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. God's love is compelling. I want you to think for a minute about what we say when we get up on Sunday morning and we say, i got to go to church today. Did God do that when it came to our salvation? When it came to Him dying on the cross for our sins, did He begrudgingly die on the cross for us? No. His love for God and His love for us compelled Him to do it. John 10, 17, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. When we think about the great love that God has for us, why wouldn't we want to be at every worship and every Bible study that we can be? Learn about Him every chance we get. Listen to what Galatians 2.20 says. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. I've put off, I've killed my old self. It's Christ is living in me. I should live the way God would want me to. Not the way I want to. As a Christian, I need to live the way God wants me to. The third thing is God's family is encouraging. You know, we go out every day in this world and there's so much mess going on. We get tore down in our life. We get tore down in our spiritual life. We deal with hatred, rejection, loneliness, all kinds of mess. But we can come in here and worship with other Christians, with our Christian family, with people that care about our souls. And we can be encouraged. Every person in here needs encouragement. We all need encouragement. And we need Christians to encourage us. I need to be encouraged from you, and, I, and you need to be encouraged from me. We need each other. Listen to what it says in Acts 2, 46 and 47 about the, the, the church in the first century. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The first century church loved to get together. And we should too. Number four, as God's children, we should be hungry. You know what one of the greatest marks of a true Christian is? The desire and the hunger for God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, Matthew 5, 6. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, 1 Peter 2, 2. How often do our children get hungry? Several times a day. How often do we get hungry? Several times a day. If we don't have the desire to worship God and learn about Him every chance we get, <clears throat> maybe we need to do a little self-examination. 2 Corinthians 13:5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Christ Jesus is in you unless you are disqualified? We have got to be committed. 
Number five, God's enemy is prowling. Satan never stops trying to open the door for us to walk right into hell. He's constantly looking for every opportunity. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. One of the best ways for him to get his foot in the door is for Christians to stop attending worship service. Before we know it, we're right back into our old ways, living a life that most of us desperately wanted to put behind. When he gets right down to it, our desire to worship God or our lack of desire to worship God goes much deeper than we think. It goes all the way to our heart. Jesus said in Matthew 22, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I'm going to tell you, folks, we're all going to die. We live, we're born, we live, and we're going to die. And when we die, we're going to have to give an account for our lives. Romans 14, 10 through 12, For you shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess God. So that each of us, So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. When I think about standing before God, I, and I'm thinking about seeing God, what in this world can I say that I did that was more important than being at worship? What can I say that I did in my life that was more important than serving Him? We spend so much time, effort, and money trying not to die. We have insurance. We go to doctors. We have medicine. We exercise. We, eat, we try to eat right. All that time and effort to try to live. I'm going to tell you, heart attack's not going to kill us. High blood pressure's not going to kill us. Dementia's not going to kill us. High cholesterol's not going to kill us. All these terrible diseases that are out there are not going to kill us. They're going to take our body. But what's going to get us is sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. But, and praise the Lord, there is a but. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If we had some terrible disease and the doctor said, I can cure you if you do exactly what I'm going to tell you to do. We're going to do it, aren't we? We're going to do it, and we're going to do a little more. Well, Jesus has told us, you can have eternal life if you do what I tell you to. So why shouldn't we? Why wouldn't we do it? We can know that we have eternal life. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has Son, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. We can know it. If, we're, if we believe in God and we're saved and we remain a Christian, and we're faithful unto death, we are going to have eternal life. What do we have to do to get that eternal life? We have to obey the gospel. What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, 
which also you received and which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. And after that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that he was seen by James and then all the apostles. Now listen to what I just read. Jesus came to this earth and he died and he lived again. He's done it. Do you know anybody else that's done that? There is nobody else. He's told us that if we believe in him, that we can live with him in heaven. When Peter preached the first gospel sermon and he was talking to the, to the first century, he told them, you have just crucified the Son of the living God. You have just killed the Christ. And what did they say? Acts 2, 36 and 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. One of the best examples of conversion to me it's Philip and the eunuch. It is just it's plain and simple. The angel of the Lord told Philip to go to the chariot. In, in chapter Acts 8, verse 30, it says, So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. And he said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And the place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or someone, some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road and they came to some water, the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. He was excited. Why? Because he was saved. He heard the word, he believed it, and he confessed it. He confessed Jesus before men, and he was baptized for the remission of his sins. Folks, that's all we have to do. We have to believe in Jesus, confess his name before men, and be baptized. And we have a home in heaven with him if we live faithfully the rest of our life, if we put him first in our life. If you need to do that today, we'll be glad to help you. We have lots of people here that love you, will help you out if you need for any reason to change your life to put start putting God first life to change how you're living we can do that today you can come up and we'll pray for you and we'll help you out if you have any reason to come it's never too late to be the right example for your children for your grandchildren for those that you see every day it's never too late as long as we're living we have a chance to get things straightened out 
If you have any reason to come, come as a stand to sing.